Now streaming, the Netflix and Swill podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Netflix and Swill podcast, your source for Netflix news, reviews, and booze. I'm Caleb. And I am Dan, and it's episode 182, my favorite number of the 180s, I should say. I don't have a follow-up joke. Uh, I hope you enjoyed listening to Blink-182 at the start of this show. Oh, don't worry, it's only like 15 seconds. That way we don't get a copyright strike, and that way underneath... It plays underneath for a little bit, and then it drops out. I know, I, I've already planned this out. Everything's, I'm a genius, don't you worry. But yes, I hope you have enjoyed listening to Blink-182. Because uh, it's episode 182. Oh, I'm so excited, Caleb. Like this, this is the best episode ever. We can quit now. Oh, finally. Uh, blessed sweet release. Uh, how, how are you doing, friend? Uh, I'm alright. I'm not as sick there you go it helps that you're starting work tomorrow so you you can't be sick yep uh as of release i will be at my second day of work so hooray there you go uh nothing's new with me i really haven't done much except we, uh, as a whole, we the show released two Patreon episodes. Uh, one, which is our Revenge of the Forgotten Dick Pick for Two Graves. Uh, movie's fine. And the other yeah, one. That was a movie. Is for, uh, Star Wars Episode One, The Phantom Menace, where I made Ashley watch it. And, uh, she has thoughts. Uh, as of recording this episode, we have not watched the second Star Wars movie, but, uh, maybe tonight. Who knows? Yeah. I don't think Bill's ever going to talk to me, so. <clears throat> Boy, fuck you, Bill. I don't know if I'll ever do my thing, but it's it's fucking it's Bill. I can't expect too much from him. <laughs> uh Well, I suppose we'll get hop into a time-honored segment of what's your swill. Can we please get some alcohol into my mouth? He hates these cans. Stay away from the cans. <laughs> That segment is now especially sad because it has a BoJack clip. And as we know, BoJack Horseman is over. Yeah. How how do I go on without sad horse? I don't know. Um, I'm just having some juice. I didn't feel like drinking alcohol. This is, uh, like, like most fruit juices I consume, this is cranberry juice mixed with something else. I don't know because... I didn't look at the bottle. Maybe Cran Grape? My wife got it for me. What about Crazen? It's fine. <laughs> uh, I'm drinking another gin and tonic with aviation gin. There you uh, go. I have, I have many limes that I 
Uh, it would like to not go bad, so I'm I'm trying to use some some limes. That's it. It's it's fine. It's not the worst. I much prefer the Rangpur, but whatever. Did you take all of your limes and walk up to Ashley and drop them all on the floor and like struggle to pick them up but keep dropping them? And then, like, after 20 minutes, when you finally get them all picked up, look at her sheepishly and say, sorry, I'm really bad at pickup limes. No, I would never do that. I would never spend (laughs) any amount of time coming up with a pun. Well, I guess that's the difference between you and me. Hey, there's news. Oh, shit, it's mail time. So we talked about this last week. Uh, The Witcher Nightmare of the Wolf, which is the animated tie-in movie event special for the witcher series um it is about vesemir who is a character who's not been introduced in the show yet so uh Geralt's not in that one or if he is he'll be in at the very end yeah so they should call it the other witcher Nah, you got to keep up with The Witcher because you got to make people understand like, hey, you should watch this if you like The Witcher because it's more Witcher. A Witcher. Yeah. Uh, Some guy on Twitter was like, and when I posted my question to the Netflix account that posted the news about uh, Nightmare of the Wolf, he responded to my my post of uh, eight days prior saying, well, they just announced that. Uh, it's going to be Vesemir starring in, so I don't think so in regards to the voice cast carrying over from the live-action show. Hey, hey, thanks, bud. To which I said, gee, thanks for replying to my post from eight days ago. That's really helpful that you, you did that. I don't know why I have to yell at people. I don't know. Like, just... Just stop. Just just read when the date happened, and I, I don't care anymore. Just, like, fuck off. It's, it's been, like, three days. I'm done with this news until new Ooh, news comes out. Read the description. Uh, fuck, the, fuck you. Uh, speaking of fuck you, Adam Sandler has signed a new four-picture deal with Netflix. This will carry him up to 12 pictures overall. Uh, we're, we're currently on five. And we get one a year. So, Adam Sandler forever, everybody. buffoon man bad I don't know I debate his movies have gotten better over uh, the course of this deal or at the very least I uh, have a lower level of tolerance so therefore I'm more adequately able to discuss an Adam Sandler movie (sighs) I want it all to end Uh, Netflix is laying off members of its marketing team uh, because it intends to to shift its marketing strategy from promoting in individual programs to promoting the service as a whole. Uh, this is a report going around like uh, roughly 15 members from their marketing team are uh, being fired, which, uh, according to what we said, is like a year too late. because We wanted members of the marketing team fired like the last March. But regardless, yeah. uh, it's happening. Hooray. I'm sorry you lost your job. I shouldn't celebrate that. But this seems like a, a better stratagem. So uh, you'll remember that the chief marketing officer who who just came in, 
uh, came from the BBC, looked at that marketing department and just went, oh my God, there's so many of you, basically. <laughs> oh my God. Why is there so many of you? There doesn't need to be this many for you people. Go- leave. Goodbye. And basically just like cleaned fucking house. So I'm not sure exactly how many people are left in that marketing department, but they're doing it. But what do you think about the strategy from promoting individual programs to promoting the service? I mean, that's kind of what every other streaming service does. Like all the advertisements and stuff that I saw for like HBO, for instance, like, yeah, they would have Game of Thrones featured heavily, but then it would be like, oh, we also have Westworld and Chernobyl and Watchmen and Last Week Tonight with John Oliver. And I can't think of any shows other than that that are on HBO right now. Shameless. Is that one? I think it's Showtime. I think it is. Yeah. Also, they have other shows. Yeah. And their marketing team educated me about that. So thank you, marketing team from HBO. So there it is. Uh, the su- the Super Bowl is tonight, so I wonder if Netflix will run you, an ad. The big game. Yeah, I, I wonder if they will run an ad or not. We don't want to get not. sued. No, I'm saying the Super Bowl. Fuck, the, fuck that. Who gives a shit? No one listens to this show. No one of importance listens to this show. <laughs> I, uh, I did that bit last year. Like, I still don't understand. Are you just not allowed to say Super Bowl? It's Super Bowl TM. The NFL owns the, the, the trademark to Super Bowl. So you can't, uh, yeah, but I'm not, unless you're an officially licensed partner of the NFL, you cannot say Super Bowl. You have to say the big game or something or some facsimile of that. Yeah. Well, jokes on them. If you uh, don't legally defend your, your trademark, you lose it. So if they don't catch us saying Super Bowl on our show, they lose the trademark to Super Bowl. Oh man, then, then we can get it. Because that's how trademark works. Because yeah. it's not the same as copyright. Fuck yeah, we can do it. I believe in us. I actually... Fuck it. Uh, no one tell the NFL about this episode. <laughs> uh, one week from now, we'll just put up a tweet that says, Netflix and Soil canceled until further notice. No, that's true. Let me double check that it's a trademark and not a copyright. The Crown is only going to run for five seasons instead of the initially planned six seasons. Imelda Staunton will play Queen Elizabeth in that fifth season. Sure. Uh, you don't care about this. I'll, I'll just explain. Uh, basically, it, it's what it says it is. Uh, the creator came, hit up Netflix and was like, yo, I feel like I can only write five seasons worth of stories. Like, I, I don't feel like I can stretch this out to a six season, so we're just going to run five. Uh the real question is whether or not Netflix pressured him to do this because, uh, and I got in, in a fight with someone on the internet because they, they basically compared me to a Fox news anchor because I used uh, math and statistics to determine uh, that. Yes. Despite the fact that the crown season three saw a 40% jump in viewership in its first month, uh, that viewership for the series has been declining. And, uh, <sighs> This person wanted to co- wanted to say that like I was using half truths and like not understanding what time frames were, but I said like okay, like like uh, Netflix was like seventy three million households have seen The Crown, okay, uh, fifteen million people watched season two in their first uh in the first month, which uh 
for those of you who don't know, that's fucking awful. Like that's bad. Yeah, for a, a Netflix show, uh, especially one they're spending that much money on, which is like hundred 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 million a season, something something in that range. Uh, that is forty uh, percent less than. Well, you multiply uh, fifteen million by uh, one point four, or one hundred forty percent, you get twenty one million, which is the viewership for season three. But if seventy three if seventy three million households have watched The Crown, uh, and only uh, less than a third of that have watched season three, that means viewership is dropping, and the investment isn't worth it. Yeah, and I mean, I. He's, they're trying to not pad it out artificially. Like, the, how is that not a good thing? That should have been the strategy the entire time. Yeah. Ah. Like, so many shows go on, bef- like, so long after they should have stopped. This yeah. is fine. I'm I'm fine with it. It's just, like, I think that Netflix put a, a little pressure on him and said, look, uh, the show's not a, as big of a hit as it needs to be. Uh, we've already renewed you for th- four seasons. Like they they got a season four renewal before season three even came out. So yeah. like they're giving him one final season to say, okay, you have this much time to do this many stories. Wrap it up. Which uh, networks other than Netflix, I don't think would do that kind of thing. So I don't know if they're trying to like artificially inflate it so that way it seems like it's in a better spot than it is. But when you compare it to shit like The Witcher or Stranger Things or, um, fuck, what else released? Dead to Me, all of which were like 30 to 40 million views in its first month. Like, those are actually popular shows compared to The Crown. So, uh, it's fine. I still haven't caught season three. I want to. It's just, I don't fucking have time. See, you're, you're the problem, Dan. (laughs) It's me. The, the one in 21 million. Uh, I couldn't find anything about a, a, a trademark on the Super Bowl, uh, by the way. So uh, we're going to pretend it's a trademark and just keep going. Uh, a live-action adaptation of One Piece will be coming to Netflix eventually. I'm sure it'll be right up there with their live adaptations of Death Note and of the Full Metal Alchemist. As far as I'm aware, it's going to be a, a series. I hope at least it's a series, because holy fuck if it's not a series. Uh, the other problem with this is that anime and manga are still fucking going. Like, yeah, yeah. One Piece will never end. I remember when it hit 500 episodes, uh, the creator was like, we're not even a third of the way there. And I'm just like, oh, fuck, fuck you. Who gives a shit? <laughs> I haven't even finished composing the 119th chapter of my rock opera yet. So, uh, I'll believe this when I fucking see it. If, it. if this actually comes to Netflix before the manga is completed or the anime is completed, uh, f- fuck this creator in particular, because Jesus fucking Christ does he not give a shit about his audience. Splitting his fucking yeah. time like that. He's a real George Art Art Martin. Oh my god, he is. He's the, he's, he's the Japanese version of George R. R. Martin. Railroad Martin. <laughs> How about... Needham analyst Laura Martin feels that Netflix will lose 4 million subscribers if they do not implement a lower-priced ad-supported plan. Uh, press X to doubt. <laughs> this who, I'm, Whoever this person is needs to be fired. Like, 
this is the they've been saying this for years. They need an ad supported plan. No, they don't. N- no, people are going to pay a premium to not have ads served to them. F- fuck you. That's why Hulu does it because people buy it. Like, yeah, you're going to get those cheapos, but they're going to be on like the the nine ninety nine plan or whatever the fuck the price is of that. But like, if I'm paying a premium, I don't want to have ads. And like, f- fuck you. I used to fucking have a Hulu plan with the ads. It is untenable. It, it you cannot watch it. Like it is a scam to force you to get the ad-free plan which costs twice as much. Pretty much. Like it, it the thing with the Hulu ad plan is it's just cable. Like you're you're watching it on cable time. Everything takes you a half an hour to watch. Uh, like I would watch, I, I want to say like Family Guy on on Hulu without ads or with ads, and it would take thirty minutes, which is exactly what the runtime is for fucking uh the show anyway. I, I I'm streaming the show because I want it done as soon as fucking possible. Yeah, I'm not I'm not gonna pay you to waste my time for me. Yeah. So uh, fuck off, Laura Martin. You have no idea what you're talking about. All right. Uh, and our final story is that MGM, the film studio, has had early discussions with Apple and Netflix, among other companies, to gauge interest in acquiring MGM and whole. Uh, so MGM right now is owned by a holding company or, a, or slash hedge fund. Uh, this is specifically what hedge fund slash holding companies do. They hold on things, they increase their value, and then sell them off to the highest bidder. Uh, I know this because... Uh, one of the companies I used to work at was held by a hedge fund and then sold to Smucker. Yeah. Also, because it's called a holding company, it's in it's in the name. Well, when it, it was uh, in the article, it was, it was called a hedge fund. But I can tell you right now, hedge fund just ba- basically means holding company. Yeah. So, uh, any thoughts on this? <sighs> it would be interesting. Um I don't know. I guess I kind of, uh, like, I didn't realize that MGM didn't really, like, do anything mm-hmm. anymore. Because, um, like, I don't know. I'm just used to every movie being uh, Disney or Sony or, you know, occasionally Warner Brothers when they decide to put out one of their bad movies. <laughs> But, um, yeah, I don't know. MGM is, like, one of the big, like, classic film companies, and it Mm -hmm. would be really interesting to see Netflix pick them up, because that would give them more credibility as a film studio, because, like, Netflix has made some really amazing movies in the last few years, Mm -hmm. and they're doing a lot more innovative things than anyone else in the industry, I feel. But, like, the the narrative online and stuff is still that like, Oh, they're just this hack company that makes shitty Adam Sandler movies, which is true. Yeah. I mean, both things can be true. They're not mutually exclusive. Correct. Um, but I think this would let them lend them a lot more credibility, but also give them, uh, a huge back catalog of classic films that they can just put up on their service because they own. Uh, so real quick that this merger would only like this acquisition would only take MGM products from or properties from, uh, post 
1986. Uh, Warner Brothers actually owns everything 1986 and prior. Okay, that makes sense then. Yeah, I didn't know uh, if they would acquire their their catalog or something, but like if they did, that would be pretty big. Oh yeah, like with all those classic movies, absolutely. But with Warner Brothers owning them, uh, HBO. There you go, everybody. Uh, but I don't know. There's still some movies on there from post '86 that uh, are are worth it, such as uh, modern James Bond movies. And uh, some of the later Rocky movies. I want to say Rocky was MGM. Uh, let's 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 uh, let's look. Who owns Columbia Pictures now? Is it Sony? Yes. Ooh, we can get Roadhouse. And Rain Man, and A Fish Called Wanda, and Willow. And Ooh, Willow. Ooh, and Spaceballs. Willow is George Lucas's Lord of the Rings because he couldn't get the rights to Lord of the Rings. Yeah, we get all the Bond movies. We get G.I. Joe. There we go. Perfect. Uh, yeah, some what of the Rockies. G.I. Joe, Rise of Cobra. Uh, Creed. Uh, oh boy, I can see why they've been in trouble based off of uh, their, their 2010s. Fucking catalog. Oof. Big oof. So yeah, there, there's some interesting stuff here. Uh, while it's interesting for Netflix to possibly acquire this stuff, uh, I don't like that MGM is potentially going away and will just be folded up into Netflix like uh, Fox was with Disney. I, I think there should be as many players as humanly possible in the industry at any time. And when you take away players such as MGM, despite how like unnotable their catalog, their modern catalog is, I don't know, it, it feels like we're shrinking the pool and making this more of an oligopoly than it really, have, really has ever been before. Now, of mm. course, I'm not a film industry history buff, but I don't know if like there was a point when like the 30s or 40s where it was even worse than this, but uh, now seems especially fucking bad. Um counterpoint i am a capitalist and their business has failed and uh they have no right to exist if they have to sell out you're not wrong i'm also a capitalist and i also say that but there is the problem of there's now this spot and who's going to take that spot is it going to be netflix if they buy it or is it going to be apple if they buy it i i just don't like all the like i'd be more fine with netflix having it than apple having it uh, mainly because fuck Apple, but also because Netflix is strictly a a an entertainment company. Yeah, but um, did you read that? Uh, since 20th Century Fox got picked up by Disney, they're dropping the the Fox from the name and going back to 20th Century Pictures. Yes, as the branding, which which is originally what the company was called before Fox acquired it. So. But also, they don't have to advertise for Fox, I guess. Well, yeah. Cause, I just thought that was interesting. Well, because Fox Searchlight was uh, rebranded to just Searchlight. Yeah. But I don't know. I saw somebody freaking out like, oh, they're just changing the name of 20th Century Fox. It's like, well, no, Fox changed it to match their branding because it was, it was its own thing. Don't bring logic into this. How dare you? <laughs> How could I? So, yeah. Uh, I'm excited yet uh, s- skeptical on how I totally feel about this, but uh, that is my baggage to carry. 
yeah, I don't know. I guess like anything, we'll we'll have to wait and see how it shakes out. Sure will. Well, Caleb, it's that fateful time where we talk about some uh, things that are probably going to be canceled because uh, Netflix doesn't know how to effectively market them. Uh, in downstream. Baby, I can't control the internet. Alright, so first up, we have a show called Followers. Uh, this is a Japanese show about uh, models, photographers, young career women trying to navigate careers, relationships, and getting more social media followers. Um, this looks terrible. This looks awful. It looks so bad. <laughs> like, there's some interesting elements, like uh, some... Uh, an influencer who's kind of like phased out is now like, I want to start a family because I have enough of a fortune that I can, I can do that. So I want a kid. And then like, she uses her power to bring in a new model to make her an influencer, but then she's losing followers and shit. And like, get the fuck out of here. I don't give a shit about this. At one point in the trailer, somebody is crying and says, every time I lose a social media follower, it makes me feel like my self-worth is lower. That definitely happened. Hey, bud. Yeah. Uh, I don't want to say this seems vapid, but it seems vapid. (laughs) Uh, I'm not saying that it's aliens, but it's aliens. Now everyone hold your hands up and do the thing. You know the thing. You know it. That Uh, thing you do. Our next trailer is for uh, Ghost in the Shell. SCA underscore 2045. They fucked up Ghost in the Shell. Oh my god. So so this is what, like a new yes. a new adaptation of Ghost in the Shell, but um like I really like the original Ghost in the Shell. Like I never watched uh the series much, but I'm a big fan of the original movie. Mm-hmm. Um and I don't know. Is it supposed to just be a, a new adaptation of that? Like from I, I the, think it's of the, the series because it's of the series. Yeah, it's a it's a new series. It might just be a new series, like a continuation series. Um, to me, but uh, the biggest offense of this show existing is that we're constantly losing two D animation, uh, anime, and I am most nostalgic for that time period. Like I think the shows that look the best are the ones that are in that 2D animation style. And every time we go to cheap computer graphic-aided animation, uh, yeah. it hurts my soul. Which, I mean, it's it's Ghost in the Shell. There's an argument there for, like, them wanting to do it CGI. But, like, it looks very poorly done. Like, yes. it's just, like, frantic and shit bouncing all over the place, and you can't really tell what's going on. And, like, this is one of the most poorly put-together trailers that I've seen in in le- recent memory it's very bad it's it's a terrible trailer uh do you remember cubics i don't know cuz the animation style looks like cubics there's also a little bit of the the pokemon uh mewtwo strikes back evolution trailer in this but at least like with yeah. that that makes sense with what they're going for in the future because they're going straight up like 3d for the games? Yeah, and I could tell what was happening in that trailer. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, I saw, like, the first three seconds of the trailer and just went, I'm never getting a 2D anime again. And, and it's unfortunate, because I want that. 
Yeah. And, I don't know. This, uh, if nothing else, this made me want to go and pop in my Blu-ray of Ghost in the Shell. Mm-hmm. So, Well, I, I see, I say that, but then uh, Hero Mask got released to Netflix last year. Uh, that show's middling at best. So uh, what, the qualifier I should really say is I want a good 2D anime again. Mm, I guess how Tag on um, exists. I was trying to remember for a second what Hero Mask was. And like my brain went to PJ Mask, and I was like, "That's not right." Nah, Hero Mask. I couldn't even fucking tell you what that show's about. It's too confusing. Like it's trying so hard to actually be like a realistic show that it should just be a realistic show. Uh, but it's anime, so I don't know. Um, make better shows. Uh, the best trailer that we got this week, clearly, is for Queen Sono, uh, which is an African Netflix original. Mm-hmm. Uh, it makes a point to point that out in the trailer. Um, this looks pretty good. This is like a uh, like a James Bond-style thriller action movie. Yeah. like Or like an African atomic blonde, I guess. Yeah. I mean, it's a series. Uh, which has me a bit worried for the series length, like a season length. Yeah, cause yeah, I don't know. I feel like because the going... trailers cut like a movie trailer. Oh, a hundred percent. But if it's if it's longer than like eight episodes, I struggle to think how I'll follow it for whatever the length of it is, unless they're like, as opposed to hour long episodes, are like anywhere from thirty to forty five minutes. I don't know. It's 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 weird when we think about this now because like. When Netflix first came out, they were like, all right, we're doing 13 one-hour-long episodes. And now, five years fucking later, we're, or like seven years later, we're like, all right, I want like 30-minute shows. I want them to be six episodes. Like, f- fuck, I don't give a shit. Just uh, more content, please. Yeah. But yeah, this looks interesting. I will probably check this out when it comes out, which is uh, yeah. the 27th of February? The 28th, I can't remember. Yeah, this looks legitimately good, so. Bully for you, Netflix Africa. Yeah. I almost watched, uh, I forgot to mention this, but uh, I watched uh, The Velocipaster yesterday. Uh, That movie is uh, among the echelon of Hectic Knife. You will love that movie. Where where can I behold this spectacle? It is unfortunately on Amazon Prime, so uh, you're going to have to get it through uh, pirating. I um I was saddened to find out that uh Hulu now checks your geographical location. So I can't use y'all's Hulu account. Oh, are you fucking serious? Yeah. Fuck. Boy, it it there's any streaming service I fucking hate, it's Hulu. And that's yeah, fuck that them especially. Why. Jesus fucking Christ. So if we ever did do uh reviews of Hulu shows, for our show, we would need two separate accounts. Oh my fucking god. That's infuriating. Yeah. Another reason why I will never purchase their product. So what did you do about Letterkenny? Uh, I simply will not watch it, I suppose. Oof. Oof. Jesus. I don't know, when was the the last season? Uh, 12-27? 1228 December. Yeah. 
Oh, wait, when I do, when I do that. Oh, wait, did they come out with a second season on Hulu? Yeah, they've done, I think they've done three seasons in 2019. Oh, Jesus. Well, then, yeah, there's an entire season that I haven't seen yet. Oh, yeah, so, like, Nick, Bill, and I were all talking about it, and I was wondering why you weren't chiming in. I assumed you had seen it. Yeah, I guess I don't understand meme slash reference. Mm. That fucking sucks. Yeah. Boy, fuck you, Hulu. If Netflix does that, Jesus, there's going to be issues. Uh, I don't know. I think if Netflix does that, that, that's one of the things that just will be the end point for this. This show? Yes. Yeah. And we'll just go to, to uh, we'll just watch B movies. Yeah. Like the Velocipaster. That's when we start the Troma Center. Yeah. I'll sign up for Troma's streaming service, which they have inexplicably. <laughs> it's called Troma now. But why? I don't know why. I mean, I get why, but I don't know. Ugh. Don't do it, Netflix. If you fucking do that, you're just idiots. You're just the stupidest fucking people. <sighs> All right, so with that, we're going to move over into Quick Hits and talk about some other stuff we watched this week. Well, we're going to be talking about this with Gerald from TPs on the podcast at some point, but uh, I watched Taylor Swift's Miss Americana, which is a documentary about her life. Um, I have some thoughts on it. Uh, I guess broad strokes it it's it's a it's a bit frustrating i guess okay um because like i don't i don't know it it like in turns makes it out to be that like she's a constant victim but like also that like she's kind of inept like i don't know i don't know like what they were going for as far as the the voice that they wanted to use to portray her but it's fine, I guess. Um, I still have yet to watch it, so... I was going to watch it after BoJack, but then uh, it hit me too hard. So, like, Ashley and I just kind of stared at our phones and, like, didn't do anything for, like, an hour before we were like, holy yeah. fuck, we need something to laugh at. Velocipaster, <laughs> come to the rescue. Uh, spoilers for our BoJack Horseman Season 6 review. Uh, and other than that, I finished my binge on uh, Parks and Rec mm. and finished the, the series for a second time. Um, I I pretty much had the same reaction to it as like the first time I watched it, but uh, season seven's not as good, but it's still pretty good. Mm. Like, I don't know, shows like this, they tend to kind of taper on the ends like this and like you know the office and things like that they're the best seasons are like three and four and five like the kind of the middle of the show where they really hit their stride um like the first season of parks and rec is my least favorite sure because uh, it has mark brandanowitz and i hate that character <laughs> Um, and like they were still trying to figure out what they were doing. Uh, season seven isn't as good just because like they knew the show was ending and they were like, well, I, I guess they decided they wanted to show 
kind of the endpoints of the characters. So they do like time skips and show what they do in the future mm-hmm. and stuff, which is it's weird, but it's also like because you spend so much time with these characters getting to that point, like it's it's kind of sweet and endearing just seeing that like, oh, everybody's going to be all right. And like everybody learned something and everybody grew a mm-hmm. little bit. So um, it I don't know. There's some there's some emotional moments, especially in like the last one or two episodes. But uh, like I said, overall, it it's not as good as like the real like meat when they're right in the thick of it of the show, you know? Right. Which I don't know. I guess is to be expected. I don't think anything ever ends as satisfyingly as you think it might with with rare exception but um yeah it's uh pretty good okay well uh to be paul and justin for for a minute uh, i watched nine on earth uh this is about uh, basically taking like high definition, like thermal cameras and thermal imaging, like night, uh, night vision, uh, cameras out to the wilderness and capturing what animals do at night. Uh, this is done in 4k as is most nature stuff. Uh, so, uh, in 4k, it is most beautiful, uh, especially 4k HDR because I now have a 4k HDR television. All right. That's Hooray. all. That's all I'm going to say about that. Uh, it's interesting. Can you please bring it up on every episode? I'm going to try to not to, but like, (laughs) I feel like with this in particular, it's especially poignant because like, that's the draw of it is like, okay, here's nature in 4k. So like having that is useful. Like, otherwise, like, it's like, uh, there's like visual fidelity is much better, but it's also like. This is, like, the crispest images. Like, everything looks great. They use this weird perspective that, like, basically blurs everything but the subject of the fucking frame. So, like, you'll see, like, a, a lion stalking uh, a wildebeest. And, like, it's it's perfectly in frame. But then, like, uh, and focused and all that stuff. But then, like, everything around. It's not like the, the fish eye that you get with Sabrina, which is annoying and stupid. It's just, like everything else is blurred i don't know it's interesting it's interesting what the, what this technique is it, it almost reminds me of like tilt shift photography a bit except nothing like they're not mini- they don't look like miniatures it just looks like a regular fucking lion walking around or like a a frog walking around and doing his thing there's a there's one point where this frog gets uh, entirely frozen over and i'm like holy fuck they just showed a frog get killed on screen and then uh, it turns out that frog can operate uh, like that and live like that for uh, weeks on end. And, you know, when it defrosts, it, it comes back to life. And I was like, what the fuck? Is- Nature's so yeah, fucking weird. Animals are fucking wild. Like some amphibians and like fish and stuff can just be completely frozen and then come back to life when they warm up. It's uh kind of incredible. Um, also, have you ever seen how crocodiles survive a drought? No. They form like a a liquid-filled mucus cocoon around themselves and go into a catatonic state until it becomes wet again. And then the weird cocoon dissolves and like they come out of it. Um, I saw this on a nature documentary one time. Somebody dug one of these things up out of the sand Mm -hmm. and cut it open and like this fucking like goopy fucking amniotic fluid like spilled out of it. 
and this like catatonic crocodile slid out of it and it was just asleep and then presumably it died because they removed its survival mechanism for how it would come back when the waters returned yeah but yeah like in africa there's certain species of crocodile that are only active during like the flash flooding season huh so yeah uh life uh finds a way yeah this was uh insane uh they show there's multiple times animals are in danger uh and i'm just like oh my god fucking put down the camera and go help this am this animal i don't want this like it's a, like a sea lion pup and i'm like oh my god you better not let this fucking die you pieces of shit <laughs> yeah that would be the hardest thing about uh being a nature photographer it's just not fucking with it yeah so uh yeah uh i i recommend this no matter what like i'm not gonna rate this because it's just like a thing we watched like we put it on to be like kind of mystified by like the the camera work and what the animals are doing and like the explanation but uh yeah i recommend this go watch go watch it you don't have to have a 4k tv to enjoy it well maybe i will sounds like something i'd be into one the one thing they talk about is like how cheetahs were thought to have only hunted during the day and then like they show cheetahs hunting at night and through like their continued research on it at nighttime, they've determined that cheetahs hunt like a third of cheetah hunts happen at night, and not just entirely within the morning. So there's some fascinating stuff that you're you're finding out, and we're finding out now with these uh, high definition night vision and thermal cameras. And knowledge is power. So, uh, why don't we take a quick break? And when we come back, we will get into our feature review of BoJack Horseman season six. Hey, friends and potential lovers. Have you ever felt so passionately after watching a TV show or a movie, but not have a pal to share it with? Allow us the honor of keeping you company with our weekly podcast for your reference with your hosts, KT and OT. Each episode, we break down our hot takes that you'll either ardently agree or vehemently disagree with, like subs versus dubs. How important is a cohesive narrative? What's with the popularity of the relatable villain? Is it possible to be truly objective in spite of your own experiences? And most importantly, are you getting a clue and which direction is it pointing? Come on now, it's pointing towards for your reference. That's a great reference. If you've got a little room in your rotation for some salacious frivolity, check out For Your Reference wherever you listen to podcasts. Welcome back, everybody. Caleb, it is time to talk about uh, the final eight episodes of our favorite show, BoJack Horseman. That's right. Um, We've reached the end of the rainbow. I don't know. I don't want to get, I guess, too sentimental, like right off the bat. But like, mm-hmm. this is this has been one of those shows that, like, I just I'm really thankful that I get to be here while this is new and fresh, and like, kind of go on the journey along with it. And I don't know. It's been a really a really cool experience to just watch this all throughout its run, and and here we are finally. Um, it's, it's good. I like this show. I don't know what you want me to say. Uh, so we're pretty much going to just do a, a straight up discussion of the season in and of itself. Uh, to, to that, I say, 
Uh, stop this podcast. Uh, come back to it when you finished watching the entire series. Uh, we recommend the entire series uh, universally. The first season is a bit slow, but it's setting up a lot of stuff that you're gonna that's gonna get paid off in later seasons. So stick with it, uh, and that's it. I think the first thing I want to say is that with this season, I remember saying I don't know why they split up the the show into two parts. Like it doesn't it doesn't feel like it's a, a good idea. Uh, and now having completed it. Totally understand why, because the tone for part one and part two are so vastly different that it would have been a shock had they yeah. done it uh, all together. Yeah, like it could have been two complete seasons. Yeah. But um, I don't know. Uh, the the mid-season cliffhanger, like they like Bojack's in a pretty good place. You know, he's uh, moving forward with his life. He's sober. Uh, he's getting the help he needs, and but there's that kind of looming shadow of uh, like Hollyhock finds out about some fucked up stuff that he did in the past, and there's the reporter Paige Sinclair uh, digging into the incident of Sarah Lynn's death. Mm-hmm. Um, I fucking can't stand Paige Sinclair anytime she's on screen. Yeah, it, I hate it, it. out there. I'm, she's like 1920s fast talking, hard hitting, hard boiled reporter, and she's in a wedding dress the whole time, and has to keep calling her fiance and saying that she's just got to follow up on this scoop. Please wait. I don't know. It it felt old the first time they did it, and then it got really old. I was fine with it the first the first time because it was like. Okay, she's not a main focus, but then for like the first four episodes of this part, she was the like a focus of the show, and it was like, all right, I'm fucking done. Like, I don't actively hate characters in, in on this show. Typically, uh, this is one of the few that I actively hate, and yeah. it's not due to the way that they're written. It is just due to how they're portrayed. Yeah, so uh, that's kind of where. The show stops, I guess. Um, so the episode nine of season six, that's the first of the new episodes. Um, Bojack gets a teaching job at Wesleyan University so he can be close to Hollyhock. Um, he's teaching acting and like his, he actually has a great semester. All of his students love him, mm-hmm. but like Hollyhock won't spend any time with him because like she found out about this shit that Bojack did before. Um, and she, like, she basically is just like, you do your thing. I'll do my thing. And like, we don't have to be together constantly. Um, and I don't know, for the most part, Bojack seems to be fine with that. Like a little let down, but like, right. They're just like, all right, we'll kind of, you know, take it slow or whatever. So. Yeah. And then, um, I don't know. I don't know. This is, uh, this episode's kind of the carrot on the stick that, you know, it it gives Bojack some hope mm-hmm. so that, like, <laughs> when when things happen later in the season, like, it, it hurts that much more, I right. guess. Because you're like, oh, he's actually turned his life around. Like, things are actually happening. for Like, he's sober. He's happy. You know, he's doing good things. Like, he's good at what he's doing. So, like, 
maybe maybe there's something nice for him at the end of this, but then there just isn't. Yeah. Um, next episode is mainly a Diane episode, I guess. It's like she was really depressed and um trying to work on a new book and stuff and uh living in Chicago. So uh her boyfriend guy which uh, I love guy <laughs> is just like generic person so his name is guy mm-hmm. and like his son is the son of generic person so that character's name is Sunny and it's great. It's brilliant. His, his ex-wife is called Lady. <laughs> So the, it's there's a, there's a little extra layer to that too. Um, but yeah, this episode's kind of just an exploration of Diane, I guess, and how she deals with her depression. Like she finally starts taking her antidepressants, mm-hmm. which like she hates because it makes her foggy. Because like it's kind of what antidepressants do, but it also lets her deal with her life mm-hmm. and just like continue to exist as a person. But, like, uh, I don't know, it does, like, the shifting art style, like, it has, like, her, uh, I guess, mental portrayal of herself where she's, like, Lucy from Peanuts, kind of. Uh, yeah. And it's, like, all sketchy. So it's, it. they've done a lot of episodes like this before, but it's, like, entering a, a character's psyche and, like, it's really representative of what's going on and not super literal, but yeah. And they seem to always do this with Diane episodes too, is get very experimental with the format to it. Like basically this episode is like, uh, I think like a, a five act structure episode on like what her life is being like living in Chicago, yeah. trying to work on this book and eventually writing a, a teen novel. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Like she also gains a bunch of weight cause like antidepressants, mm-hmm. but, uh, it's n- nice to see her not like crying about gaining weight. Like it just kind of is a fact of life and like, they don't draw a ton of attention to it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like no one's like saying, Oh, you have to d- work out and like you, you suck now that you're heavier than you were. Like, it's just, it's fine. Mm-hmm. It's just, a, it's just a, a thing that happened. Yeah. People get older, their bodies change. It's okay. But yeah, it's it's about her like discovering like the the way to her happiness and it's it's not about this the way she thought it was, which would be like this tell-all book that helps like with her deal with trauma and then like everyone else realize oh their trauma's a thing so they can they, they can process it. But she's going to do it through uh, a teen book that, you know, will have some of those themes as we find out later. Yeah. But like it's also, you know, uh, kind of a, a throwaway thing, because uh, about a food court detective. Yeah, which which is great, because like she goes to the mall to write, and she's just in the food court, mm-hmm. and like she sees this girl in a store, and like I don't know, she kind of blanks out, and then like realizes she wrote this like really good young adult book. So eh, it's funny. I don't know. Um like of course this is the last season so we have to get closure on all of our characters but like i really like how they wrapped up diane's whole story yeah of like her just 
being fine and figuring out that she doesn't have to be like this, like, like whatever version of herself she thought she had to be. Where like, I don't know. Well, she remember she took herself extremely seriously. Like she was trying to do like important pieces on like the world and what it what what it meant to be a part of the world and things that needed to be addressed in the world. Yeah. And now she's just like doing uh, a a children's a, a young adult novel about a, yeah, a, like a she kind of um, I guess like all the all the things like the s the quintessence of Diane was like what was real to her and like every all the bullshit that everybody else was into was like fake mm-hmm. and then like she realized i guess that it doesn't really have to be that way like you can just be and be fine so uh yeah yeah and then uh also in that episode Paige sinclair and her globe trotting highball drinking sidekick max uh the two reporters uh, pay a visit to Penny, who is the girl in, um, was it New Mexico? Arizona or New Mexico. Arizona, something like, I can't remember exactly, but that is the, the deer that, like, there is a, an awkward situation there and... Almost, uh, statutory rape? I need to go back and rewatch that episode. Yeah. Because I still don't quite know what was going on there. I mean, but... that's kind of the point is we were there at like the, the very end. So who the hell knows what was going on except for those two. Yeah. But basically, basically it's a very young girl that Bojack kind of like almost took advantage of, but also like just kind of fucked up her head just by being a mess. Mm-hmm. So, um, so that's all coming to light um and then the next episode after that is uh those two reporters go and talk to mr peanut butter about bojack um and mr peanut butter is a supportive friend and isn't going to give him any dirt on bojack (laughs) until he does until he gives them everything including that uh (laughs) bojack was there when sarah lynn died yeah and gave her the heroin which is like a perfect encapsulation of mr peanut butter like he wants to be a great supportive friend but like he's infallibly honest Mm -hmm. (laughs) uh also like since all this stuff's coming to light uh like bojack is uh i don't think it happens in this episode but like he runs out of money and like sells the restaurant, which Mister Peanut Butter then buys. Yeah, it was like the first episode because it's like and, uh, his, he calls up his accountant. And he's like, "Yeah, uh, we need money. Like, you need money. All right, cool. Get rid of uh, the restaurant. Oh, okay." And then he calls yeah. up Mister Peanut Butter. Yeah, that was early on, I guess. Um, but yeah, Mister Peanut Butter uh, buys Elefante, and he changes its name to Elefino, which is a uh, a kid's joke. Um. Mm. I don't know. That's fine. Yeah. I mean, Mr. Peanut Butter's thing, like, he's really just there because, like, we need this information to get out, and he's the only one that really knows it and will tell anybody anything about it. Yeah. Yeah, and at the at the same time, like, 
everyone in Bojack's life kind of surrounds him. They're like trying to figure out what's exactly going on uh, so they can try to get out ahead of it. Mm-hmm. And like Bojack is freaking out and having panic attacks. And uh, I don't know, like he's writing all the terrible shit that he did on whiteboards. And then like somebody else will just like he'll start talking and one of them will just go in the background and write some other fucked up shit that he did on the whiteboard. Yeah. To and them. like he won't even acknowledge it. Like Todd wrote in red marker, Diane wrote in green marker. Yeah. And Todd's like, you destroyed my rock opera. You had sex with my friend. Yeah. Yeah. And these are all things like, so, I, I remember the rock opera. I forgot about him having sex with Todd's friend. Yeah. Um, I don't know. And the, kind of the point of that is like Princess Carolyn's still trying to help Bojack get out ahead of it and like come out squeaky clean. Um, Todd, I guess, is kind of on the fence slash indifferent to what happens. And Diane's just like, no, you need to come out and say, you know, what you did and take responsibility for it. Yeah. And then, uh, Bojack initially denies all the, all the claims, uh, which like upsets Diane and makes her leave. And then I, Bojack doesn't see her again until a certain point. And then, and then, like the main thrust of it happens that, uh, because this is Bojack Horseman and he was never going to get a happy ending, mm-hmm. but like, uh, the thing happens that sends him kind of on his last downward spiral. Um, so he does an interview, uh, because like the Sarah Lynn story breaks and like, so he does a live interview on TV, um, and, like pretty much nails it and everything's fine. But then the, uh, the person that he interviewed with meets with the reporters. Yep. Who are like, you need to do another interview and like, cause there's more to this story. Uh, and Bojack stupidly agrees to do a second interview. And, well, well, uh, right. Cause when anything goes well for Bojack, he gets like super overconfident. He, he has to push it. Yeah. Yeah. He's like, ah, fuck it. I'm infallible. Yeah. So, uh, like it comes out that uh Bojack called himself from Sarah Lynn's phone to and then like waited and drove around for fifteen minutes and came back. Mm-hmm. So that like he the narrative would be that he found her at the planetarium rather than like she OD'd while he was at the planetarium with her. Uh and they say that like she actually died at the hospital. So like if Bojack had just not fucked around for those 15 minutes, she might've lived. Yeah. Which, uh, immediately fucks with Bojack and sends him off, like kind of spiraling, not like it during the interview still, like, cause he doesn't really know what to say. He's just like on the defensive from that point. And so he's like accusing the interviewer of like having like this agenda and like more things get revealed that like Bojack is, uh, particularly terrible about that he doesn't handle well. And so like, this is what destroys him in the public eye. Like before everyone was like, man, Bojack Horseman's great. Like he admitted to all his mistakes. We're going to move on and give him a pass. And with this interview, it was like, no, don't, he can't get a pass. Cause he's a piece of shit. And he basically killed a girl. Yeah. Um, kind of in the fallout of that, like, 
you know, the industry cuts ties with him, so he can't work as an actor anymore. Probably, uh, like more on that later. But like, right? N- like nobody will touch him, and then, uh, like, he ends up owing Sarah Lynn's family like five million dollars because mm-hmm. they file a civil suit against him. And then uh, Xerox f- files a civil suit against him. Because- Xerox sues him because in the interview he says that, like, oh, I always felt like I was a Xerox of a Xerox. And they're like, we don't like how you're besperching the Xerox name. $100 million, which Bojack is even <laughs> like, so a girl dies and her family only gets $5 million. And Xerox gets insulted a little bit and they want $100 million. Yep, that's how it goes. So then... Uh, uh, Episode 13 takes place after, like, a, a three-month time skip where, like, Bojack has endured three months of just being persona non grata and everyone fucking hating him. Like, even at his AA meetings, people flip him off and, like, give him the cold shoulder and don't let him talk. And no one's nice to him uh, except for uh, some guy. Yeah, I don't I don't remember who that guy was. Uh, a, a Mel Gibson type, basically. Yeah. And he becomes Bojack's new sponsor, and he's just, like, the only friend Bojack has, so the guy's just, like, giving Bojack all this terrible advice, and Bojack's like, oh, yeah, fuck it, who cares? I'll go along with this. Uh, yeah, and he gets offered uh, a new movie called The Horny Unicorn, which is, like, I don't know, since now Bojack's, like, a scumbag in the public eye, it's like, well, no, now is your time to do... Like a bad boy role, and like that'll that'll be the angle. Like everybody will hate you, and mm-hmm. you'll play this like shit heel character. Um, also, like along with that, the uh, it's it's a Todd episode when this is going on. So like he's throwing a fancy dinner party to impress his parents. Uh, because like him and Maud uh start living together. Yep. Which, like, their relationship's really sweet, so, like, uh, I don't know, this is kind of the culmination of his, like, because uh, he's asexual, he makes the asexual dating app all about that ace, and Maud is the only other person on it, mm-hmm. uh, because Bojack told her, like, hey, there's an app you should try after meeting her at the airport. The one nice thing Bojack has done for Todd, The really. one nice thing that he did, um... So, uh, they actually, like, it works out really well, and Mm -hmm. they're happy together and live together, and then, uh, Todd kind of gets some closure with his parents and everything. Uh, that happens next episode, but yeah, we we finally get some closure on on his relationship with his mom. Yep. Uh, they, they finally reconcile after 10 years of him being kicked out of the house. And then, uh, Diane meets, uh, Guy's son, Sonny, uh, and they don't seem to get along mainly because Sonny is so apprehensive about, you know, having a relationship with this woman who, uh, apparently like his dad just takes in women who are broken, fixes them and then they leave, which, uh, isn't necessarily how that works. Like they fix themselves and guy lets them fix themselves and they move on. Like not everything works out well. Like as we've seen, he he already has an ex-wife that he has a son with. So, yeah. Um. Let's see. The next one's the trial, 
Or when does the trial does the trial happen in the last episode? Trial trial is like a quick montage in the last episode. Okay. Um, it, the next one is where the network president reaches out to Bojack with the deal of like uh, removing him from horsing around. Yeah, they want to. They want him to sign away his rights to horsing around, uh, and they're doing a new cut of the show where it removes him from the show completely. So it's just about three orphans living together. Uh, and like they remove the reference to the horse from the name of the show. So it's just around, <laughs> uh, which is fucking hilarious. Yeah, it really is. Uh, they, they, they mentioned they're doing something similar at the Cosby show. So it's like, Oh, oh yeah, there we go. There's yeah, the real life so it's comparison. Just the show. Yeah. Um, um Bo- also Bojack is drinking again. Yes. He falls off the wagon. Uh, and th- uh, mm. really want to talk about the B plot first, which is like that Todd, uh, gets Margot Martindale to fake kidnap him in order for his mom to come out of like seclusion to, yeah. in order to love him again. So, uh, she winds up having like uh, an anxiety attack and st- uh, Todd stays with her at the hospital and they reconnect. So, uh, that, that's, that's the Todd story. But then back to Bojack. So Bojack signs away his rights and then like doesn't give a fuck and uh, heads back to his house, which he had to sell because of the the two settlements he has to make with uh, Sarah Lynn and potentially Xerox. He's, I guess, just too drunk to realize that like he doesn't own the house anymore. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know. The scene where he quote unquote sold the house was pretty funny because he was just there and like a real estate agent shows up with a family. And are like, oh, hey, you don't live here anymore. This family does. And, like, just force him out so he's just homeless. Yeah. And he goes to live with uh, Mr. But yeah, he, Butter. But he goes back there drunk and uh, breaks in and he's watching the horse around Blu-ray. And then uh, blacks out and it goes through. It goes through basically what is this season's free churro? Yeah. Or, uh you know similar episodes that they've done in the past like um i love this episode it's like bojack's dream where uh his mother's there uh herb kazaz is there sarah lynn's um, there sarah lynn what's i forget the name of the kid corduroy jackson yeah who died from autoerotic asphyxiation no that, corduroy like, jackson jackson that's his, i'm sorry that's his name yeah um and then secretariat's there who is also his dad for some reason um which like i i love this because bojack hates his dad so much that like even in his like drunken hallucination fantasy like his dad is just replaced by secretariat yeah and then you have uh zach braff for some reason uh although zach braff's there didn't he die in that episode where the mr peanut butter's house falls into a sinkhole and that basically starts a tribal warfare in, in Mr. Peanut yeah. Butter's house. And Jessica Biel becomes the queen of the mole people. Yeah. With her perfume line, B-list. <laughs> uh, this was such a good show. So yeah, it's basically just like a roundtable discussion of like death and like what everyone's favorite and worst moments of life were. Mm. Yeah. Um, the episode's called The View from Halfway Down, which... Uh, like in the fiction of this show, like Secretariat 
had killed himself by jumping off a bridge. Mm-hmm. Um, so like, there's a a point where, you know, Secretariat's reciting this poem about, you know, I wish that I could have seen the view from halfway down before I decided to jump. Uh, and like, as this happens, like Bojack's starting to piece together what's going on Mm -hmm. because he's not just like passed out. He remembers that like he tried to call Diane and couldn't get a hold of her and decided to go swim in the pool. And like they're, they have like a dinner party in this and he's like, Oh, this water tastes like chlorine and like gives it back to the waiter or whatever. Um, and like, he realizes that like, he's actually drowning in the pool and like no one's coming to help him. No. Uh and you know, he realizes that like he's not ready to go yet. Uh, but like he doesn't really have anything that he can do about it. Cause like he's unconscious floating in a pool, like drowning. Um and I don't know, there's been like references to drowning throughout the whole show. Um, and this is really, fuck, this episode's crazy. Yeah. Well, it's just like, uh, like coming to terms with death and like Bojack's yeah. almost there, but then it, it just cuts to black, like right before he, he makes that leap that everyone else has made so far in through that door that, uh, basically signifies the afterlife. And that leads us basically directly into the finale. Um, so the uh i was 100% sure that bojack was just dead in the last episode would be his funeral and yes. like i thought you know like my theory for this season was going to be like oh he dies and then you know everybody loves him like he gets all the the love and praise that he wanted in life but it's all posthumous and he doesn't get to enjoy it yeah the van gogh uh but the family that bought the house finds him in the pool um and like he gets pulled out uh he gets arrested for breaking and entering mm-hmm. uh and stands trial and is sentenced to 14 months in uh supermax federal prison which is interesting but okay. um i loved like the trial scene was very quick but uh if you take a look at the jury, it's all like people that Bojack had fucked over. So oh, of course yeah, he gets that. found guilty. So like Neil McBeal, the Navy SEAL, is in the jury at his trial. <laughs> I missed that. I need. I would need to revisit that. But uh, yeah, I I think. Well, uh, so like eventually he gets out, but like he has this conversation with uh, Mr. Peanut Butter, or Mr. He's, Mr. Peanut Butter is like, well, what what were you in for? And he's like breaking and entering but uh, i feel like it was more everything else too which i thought was yeah uh, like kind of beautiful. I, I feel like because you know he wasn't charged with murder or anything or like and just because everybody hated him but like they couldn't like try him for any of his other crimes they just kind of threw the book at him mm-hmm. but uh so that happens um he gets basically like a weekend release to go to princess carolyn's wedding uh because she marries judah which was her former assistant uh and like 
I don't know, he kind of became a big, like, important character, and mm-hmm. there was, uh, they realized they, they loved each other, which yeah. was, actually felt earned, like, it kind of just happened this season, but, like, I don't know, it didn't, it didn't feel, like, super forced or anything. There was this, we- there's this weird build-up with them, where it's, like, he's particularly loyal to Princess Carolyn, and, like, it always felt like there was something there, but it really wasn't explored until this season. Yeah. I don't know. They do some of my favorite visual gags in the show with Judah where like um, he'll be in a suit and it'll like pan over to Princess Carolyn. And then when it pans over, like he's already switched into his like bicycling shorts mm-hmm. so he can like ride his bicycle away or like vice versa. Like he's he comes in in his bicycling shorts and Princess Carolyn's like, do you think that you would... uh come back and work for me again. And then it cuts back to Judah and he's like finishing tying his tie. Cause he's already in a suit. Yeah. Um, also final episode, uh, Mr. Peanut butter finally fixes the Hollywood sign. Um, so he gets a new letter for the end of it, uh, which he orders D as in birthday dad. <laughs> uh, so they put a B on it. So now it's Hollywood. Yeah. And, and every, everybody's already accepted Hollywood. <laughs> it, it's 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 one of those like really good gags like the show because everyone was always accepting of Hollywood and now they fixed the Hollywood. Yeah. Um, I I think what's really nice about this episode is like unfortunately, like despite the fact that people have moved on in different th- parts of their lives, like we get no mod, we get no Judah, we get no guy, we get nobody else. We get like it's the, just core the core five. characters. Yeah. Yeah, we get BoJack, Princess Carolyn, Diane, Todd, and Mister Peanut Butter. And we see how they are with their lives and how they all reconcile with each other, uh, or, or yeah. really with Bojack. Like there's a there's a really sweet moment with Princess Carolyn and Bojack, kind of, uh, you know, like they're just okay. Like mm-hmm. it, Bojack, I guess, is still going to do the horny unicorn movie, like when he gets out of prison. So there's like a chance for him to kind of get back in the limelight, but also he's doing really well with AA and like he's been sober for like the longest he's ever been um the whole power dynamic with him and todd is flipped in this episode because like uh todd's like hey you have to take me down to the beach so we can watch the fireworks so that i can sit on your shoulders and like they go out and do that and bojack's just like why the fuck did you bring me out here and todd's just like oh i just felt like you probably needed to get away for a minute yeah so like he's he's actually looking out for Bojack's well-being and like they they kind of talk about how sobriety's going for him and uh cuz Bojack's unsure about it right cuz he's it, it's and, so uh, rigid in prison like he he can't have alcohol and everything's like structured yeah. out for him and he's afraid like once freedom happens like he's just yeah, going to go back and, into and it and Todd's like you know you're you're about to have your longest run of sobriety and after that, you're going to set another record for yourself. And after that, you'll set another record. Every day you're setting a record. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I really liked that as kind of the send off for Todd. Because like he's still doing his own Todd thing, but like he's he's not just like a stupid goofball like he has. Right. I don't know. Uh, he he's responsible and he cares about his friends and you know he has his life together. 
Uh, and then we, we finish up with Diane and uh, her and Bojack talk on the roof, basically about like how Diane has moved on with her life and how like she's happy. She's like, she's married again with guy mm-hmm. and like how, uh, uh, originally I was like, oh, she's talking about a long distance relationship and how it was hard. And I'm like, oh, fuck. And then it's like, oh, no, we, I moved to Houston. Like, fuck Chicago. Like, I'm not going to stay in Chicago because of you. Like, you, like, you, you calling me fucked me up for a bit, but then I got over it and I moved to Houston. Yeah. Cause it was like days after Bojack left that message, like, before he drowned in the pool, like, she couldn't get a hold of him, mm-hmm. couldn't get a hold of anybody, and just like thought that he was dead. So yeah, so it's like she was paralyzed so, with fear, st- stayed in Chicago while Guy moved to Houston for his for his kid, and then she eventually moves to Houston too, and she's yeah. fine. And Diane's always had that thing where like when she needs to be alone, she goes up on the roof. So like Bojack always meets up with her on the roof. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they're on the roof of I guess you know wherever Princess Carolyn's wedding reception is. And uh, they just kind of talk about how they're moving on with their lives. And, uh, like, they're both just kind of like, you know, wouldn't it be crazy if this was the last time that we ever talked or whatever? And then, like, it just kind of, I don't know. I really like the the final shot is just, like, them against the backdrop of the stars and just, like, some music playing. and Yeah. And they don't say anything. They're just kind of, like, glancing around awkwardly. Like, yeah. I don't think there's feelings there anymore, and I'm sure someone's going to read feelings there. I don't think there is. I think it's just, like, two people who, like, were friends. Two two people that were very important to each other's lives, but they know that they can't be a part of each other's lives anymore. Right. So, like, there's, there's, it's just, like, silence because nothing else is going to happen with them. And that's really all it is. That's really all it is. And I really, I I think that that's a nice note to kind of leave everything on. Like, Bojack's paid for what he's done, sort of, uh, and, and like, life is going to continue for him. Like, there's some hope for him, because he got, yeah. he, he was like, I could go volunteer at the prison, I could do, like, Horny Unicorn, maybe I can get back in the industry eventually at one point. So, like, there, there's, like, this hopeful note for him, but it's also kind of, like, up in the air, because it's like, he, he, I forget when he said this, but, like, this is a critique that, like, Justin had back in, like, season five. It's like, well, he just keeps getting himself back into trouble. And Bojack brings that up. He's like, every time I, I'm an addict, so like every time something happens, I always fall back into the same kind of practices. And now it's just kind of breaking out of those practices. And like that's really all yeah. this like what this hopefully represents is like he's finally turned that corner and will break out of like this depressive cycle that he has himself in. Yeah. Life's a bitch and then you keep living. Yeah. Uh anything else you want to say about the show? No, I uh I don't know. We don't usually go through like beat by beat like that, but um I don't know. There's there's a lot to unpack here. Um and kind of see these characters off one last time. So mm-hmm. uh, uh Todd in Mr. Peanut Butter spin-off show, please. Aaron Paul needs work. <laughs> um the, like I said earlier, this was like a, a, a gut punch of a show. Like, uh, I don't feel like there, there were some good sight gags in this, in the show still, like in, in these eight episodes, but I don't feel like there's as much overt comedy. 
so it's more serious and somber than you know outwardly comedic but like that's what i meant when when i said like it's probably good that this was broken up into two parts because like the first half is more comedic while getting more serious and then like with this it's uh a little bit comedic with like those those more serious notes that like it needed to end with because like bojack is still sort of a monster at the end of the day and he needed to pay for it in some way and i'm glad we got that like i'm glad the show didn't cheap out and have him die in the pool because I feel like that would not have been as satisfying an ending to to his character. Like even though like yeah, there's potential for him to still go on, the the ending really is like he paid for what he did. He understands how to get better, and he's gonna do it this time, hopefully. Yeah, like the show is never gonna end with him just not being an addict, but it's kind of nice also just to see his world fall apart. But mm-hmm. like he doesn't lose the past six seasons worth of character development. Like he, he has a bump in the road and then he starts to work past it. Right. And like, it's, it's a big bump, but you know, he, he still learned, you know, from before. Uh, I don't know. I, I, I want to say, like, I wish there was some kind of closure with Hollyhock, but, like, yeah, I think it's more realistic that, like, she's just not a part of his life anymore. Because mm-hmm. sometimes people don't forgive you and you lose them. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, I agree. It, it, it does suck that we don't see what she wrote, but, I mean, like, Bojack's just sheer emotionality after that is just... Yeah. I think it says enough. Yeah, I don't... I didn't really need to see what her letter to him was like I got the gist of it she said don't ever fucking talk to me or my son again (laughs) Uh, that's true Uh, what would you give season 6 part 2 of Bojack Horseman ooh um this is a part that I hadn't really thought about but you know it's kinda it's kind of a no perfect send off like everybody gets resolved in a satisfying way. Um, I don't know. I'm trying to think if I had any anything that I didn't like about it, really. Right. Uh, I, think, I think I'd be all right saying that it's a five stars. Uh, Considering I stayed up till three in the morning when it released and then <laughs> was finished with my binge by 6.30 in the morning. Yeah. I think I'm also going to say five. It's it's just so different that it took a lot to process it. Uh, because like it's a drama show as opposed to a comedy show for the for these last eight episodes, and I think they they still nailed it. Yeah, I I want to do. Um, I guess like a best hits rewatch of this show where I just watch like. The underwater episode and like free churro and um the one that's like all of his mom's like uh the the Alzheimer or the dementia like episode. Alzheimer fever dream yeah. thing, but uh I don't know, like I said, like uh 
episode 15 uh the view from halfway down is like it's one of those episodes that like 100 percent it's going to be remembered as like one of the great tv episodes and like i i can't think of a single other show where there are so many like just notable episodes yeah as opposed to like notable moments this those are straight up memorable episodes like this the writing staff for the show was so good and like they knocked it out of the park so many times. Yeah. So there you go. Um, if you, if you watched all of Bojack Horseman and then you listen to us talk about it and gush about it, uh, thanks for sticking around. And, um, I'm hope, I hope that, uh, you're as satisfied with everything as we were. As we uh, say goodbye forever to BoJack Horseman. Uh, Until May, when Ashley has us on to do BoJack Horseman, uh, the retrospective of Rabbit Ears. Yeah. And if you don't think I'm going to rewatch the entire series, you're wrong. Oh, Ashley's going to make me rewatch the entire series, too. So don't worry. We're going to have, like, brand new thoughts. Like, things are going to, like, having seen season six and how it closes, there's going to be things that we didn't notice before that are gonna yeah. come back and that's the thing is like despite the show being sort of heavy it lends itself to a rewatch because there are just so many sight gags yep uh still like one of the funniest things in the show for me was like it wasn't even related to the episode at all but like in the background there was a spotlight and there was just a moth wearing a suit pacing back and forth in front of it <laughs> and the animals being animals is always uh, a joy for this show all right, uh, well, why don't we <laughs> hop into a quick break, and when we come back, we'll talk about a, a cautionary tale of Netflix starring Steve Austin. Oh, God. The Netflix and Swole podcast is brought to you by our patrons. Gerald from Two Peas on the podcast, Nick and Justin from the Epic Film Guys podcast, Paul from the Countdown Movie and TV Reviews podcast, the IMDb Journey podcast, Julio from the Contrarians podcast, Ashley Gorski from the Rabbit Ears TV podcast, Nate Wade from the Everyone Has a Story podcast, Bill Sutton, James Delarosa, Ben Kiefer, Chris Yaney, Brianna Petty, and Dan's mom. If you would like to become a patron of the show, find us at patreon.com slash Netflix and Swill. In order to reach a wider audience, the show needs Apple Podcast reviews. To leave us a review, follow the link in the show notes or search for the show on Apple Podcasts. Thank you so much for listening and helping us grow. Our audience is at the heart of everything we do. You make the one-star movies worth it. Welcome back, everybody. Caleb, it is time to talk about a cautionary tale of Netflix. Welcome to Cautionary Tales of Netflix, or Netflix and Swill. You know, one-star movies are terrible. They'll make you want to gouge your fucking eyes out. And that's what this show is all about. Warning people about the dangers of shitty movies. That's right. And, uh, she's a doozy. Uh, so we watched Hunt to Kill starring, uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin. Mm-hmm. How in God's name did you find out that this even exists? 
that's a great uh i think i just imdb or like googled um b movies on netflix and this was one of them so that's that's basically it uh and yeah i don't want to get too much into it right now but uh based off of the appearance of one actor in the movie within the first minute uh basically told me that yes this is in fact a b movie yeah um so this is rated a 5.2 on imdb uh so it's as good as tall girl uh press press x to doubt <laughs> where the fuck do you even start with this thing so- okay so steve austin's a, a u.s border patrol agent uh his his partner gets murdered by a criminal so he moves to montana and then he has a really shitty daughter yep who is just an insufferable asshole all the time uh, his partner is played by Eric Roberts, who uh, I mentioned to Caleb that I recognize by his forehead. Because when you first see him, his like face is buried within these binoculars. I'm like, oh, that's Eric Roberts' forehead. Eric Roberts is in this movie, despite not being billed. Yeah. Huh. I didn't realize it, but uh, guy means cow in Hindi. So that's an interesting uh, extra layer to that character in BoJack Horseman. Yes. Uh yes, we're talking about Bojack Horseman more. This is really what this third segment's gonna be about, is talking about Bojack Horseman more. Because dear fucking God is Hunt to Kill one of the worst movies I've ever seen. Okay, so it it's a somebody watched Taken mm-hmm. and Predator mm-hmm. and uh First Blood. Mm-hmm. And they were like that but Steve Austin and not good. Yeah, pretty much. Is what we're going for. Um so like in the opening sequence uh stone cold steve austin like slow motion jumps away from an explosion see that's not even the most egregious part of that opening sequence there's well that's where they established that they're going to use slow-mo fucking constantly in the movie sure the most egregious part is that they have uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin and Eric Roberts doing roadie runs, which is basically like crouch running, uh, except it's it's not them because it is very obviously stunt doubles of, of two men doing roadie runs to uh, this fucking uh, trailer where they're they're making meth. It's it's kind of it's it's comical watching two two guys with shotguns roadie run who aren't the yeah. actual actors. <laughs> Um, after Stone Cold Steve Austin kills the criminals, uh, they cut to the villains of the movie, uh, where one of them says, if it weren't for me, none of you would know about the millions of dollars in unregistered bonds. And then they talk for a little bit more and they say, Hey, these are unregistered bonds that are I as good as cash. I've never seen no orange pills before. And then, uh. And then they basically look at the camera and say, hey, did you know that we were thieves? I'm a hooker. I'm a whore. (laughs) I do tricks. A whore does tricks for money. Oh, man. Yeah, it's that kind of writing. If this doesn't sound like a real movie to you, uh, it's called Hectic Knife. It's on Amazon Prime right now. You can all watch it. Uh, Oh, my God. It's... Amazing. Most compelling argument for me to get Hectic Knife ever. 
You mean Amazon Prime member? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, fuck. Like, when you brought that up, I'm like, oh my god, he's right. This is basically the the type of movie that Hectic Knife is ripping off. I'm Piggly Doctor. I'm the villain in the movie. Yeah, like, we're, we're just, like, everyone turning from the camera and being like, I'm the bad guy. I'm the yeah. good guy from this being, like, Hectic Knife 2.0. So, so there's, uh, in the opening sequence, like, Stone Cold Steve Austin's partner gives him, like, a watch with a paracord band. Mm-hmm. And is like, oh, yeah, it's, you know, if you need to, you can unravel it, and it's a rope. So there's, of course, a part in the movie where uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin has to rappel down a cliff face. So he unwinds the rope on his watch and starts going down. And then, like, suddenly the paracord wristband on his watch transmutes into 100 feet of half-inch thick rappelling line. (laughs) Uh, which is the best see i have i used to have a loot crate subscription and i have a wristband that is that exact thing uh but what they specifically said it was for uh was for a parachute ripcord so i'm pretty sure that you can't even repel with that kind of shit in the first place oh no it's far too thin yes I mean, there's a lot of uses for it, but yeah, um, yeah, I have so many paracord things, wrist like bracelets, mm-hmm. uh, watch bands. I have a a knife that has a paracord wrapped handle. I have an axe that has a paracord wrapped handle. It's fucking everywhere. That was like a big thing for a minute. Yeah. Everybody who thought they everybody who thought that they were going to be able to live in the woods for a long time just couldn't stop buying paracord. Well, I mean, everyone saw this movie and was like, "Well, I got to have this paracord watch." Yeah, I want to be like Stone Cold Steve Austin in Hunt to Kill. Uh starring Eric fucking Roberts. Unbilled Eric Roberts. Like he he got the and credit. Which like okay like actually that that was like a fun game Ashley and I had during the 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 opening credits like what's Eric Roberts gonna get because he wasn't second build so is he gonna get the with or and and I was right he got the and uh did we even say what the, the actual movie's about uh no they're one of the thieves takes the unregistered bonds and tries to flee to Canada. So the other thieves try to chase him down to find the unregistered bonds. Um, they blunder into Steve Austin and his shitty daughter and, like, hold her captive and are making Steve Austin navigate the wilderness for them. Because he's... He, he can do that. Mm-hmm. Um, to try to track down the other thief who has all of the unregistered bonds... Um, and Stone Cold Steve Austin doesn't agree with them being thieves and criminals and tries to stop them. And at some point, uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin has to go down the cliff face to grab all of the unregistered bonds and bring them back up. Uh, at which point the thieves shoot him and abscond with his daughter. So he has to hunt them to kill them 
through the forest. Yep. As they try to get to Canada with the unregistered bonds. And then he chases them for so long that it becomes winter. Because it's like rainy, like Seattle type forest. And then like basically at the start of the third act, they're running through snow. Like it just does a hard cut. And now there's snow. Well, well, Caleb, don't you know that Canada is primarily made of snow? They don't have dirt. It's just snow. But they weren't in Canada yet because their head, their heads weren't flapping up and down. Therefore, all the snow fell into Montana. I, I don't know why you're trying to argue with me about this. This is how this is how geography and physics work. Yeah, I don't know. Oh, they actually they actually do the the first blood slash predator scene where he's like. Making a bunch of arrows and spears and oh stuff out of sticks. Oh, speaking of which, do you remember the time where the, the one guy was sexually assaulting his 16-year-old daughter? Yeah. And, and the one guy was just like, yeah, this is fine. Uh, until it was discovered that his, his love interest uh, was also injured in the process, and therefore he killed the guy? Because that's how that works. But Dan, he's a criminal and a thief. I guess that's true. And he has a criminal poor morals. All right, so uh, I'm going to run my laundry list of things, and I'm done talking about this because I don't care. Uh, this thing was a pile of garbage. Uh, the characters are, are annoying, uh, especially the uh, the tech guy, because, you know, tech guy in the wilderness has to complain and bitch the whole time. Uh, the cinematography is flat. Literally, there's no depth to any shot whatsoever. Everything looks like it's fucking shot on a soundstage. It's terrible. Uh, the story is serviceable at best, being that, you know, uh, it's get from point A to point B and kill as many people as you can along the way. Uh, the score is generic because it's just a fucking action movie that no one gave a shit about. And they have CGI blood because uh, fuck you. We can't use squibs or anything like that. So uh, fuck off. Die. Fuck this movie. One. Yeah, correct. Oh, as of uh, an hour ago, the view from halfway down is now IMDb's third highest rated episode. Yeah, get fucked everybody else. Hooray. Uh, it's a bad movie. I don't know. I, I do want to talk about the final showdown with the villain where he's like, you can't kill me. And then Steve Austin kills him. In the stupidest way possible. Yeah, he he runs an ATV into him and then blows up the ATV with a gunshot from like 50 yards away. Yeah. So the guy just stands there and lets an ATV hit him and pin him against the wall and then just stands there with this ATV on top of him while Steve Austin walks away to safe shooting distance and then shoots him with a flare gun. That happened. Thank you, movie. Uh, Caleb, what would you give uh, Hunt to Kill? Yeah, one seems good. All right. Cool. <sighs> Fuck, I'm so glad we're done talking about that. Jesus fucking Christ. I don't know why I did that. I thought it'd be fun to talk about, and it turns out it was just garbage. So good job, everybody. Real proud mm. of everybody involved in making that movie. You and your wrestler movies. Me and uh, my wrestler movies. So next week, we're going to be joined by special correspondent Wonderbread to talk about Lock and Key. Uh, sure are. Uh, it's a comic book series that we that he, that is uh, Wonderbread, got me into. So 
that's basically why I want him on for this show. But uh, and then uh, on on the back of that, we're gonna have a patron review of Miss Americana, uh, and we're also going to feature Gerald on that. So two guests next week. Two guests in a podcast. Yeah, but you don't want to hear about it here. But we'll we'll keep them separate and not let them talk to each other because that that would just be too much energy. That's true. Yeah, so they're all gonna be they're both being contained in their own little segments. I don't know. I feel like again. I feel like if we ever let Gerald talk to Wonder Bread, that like Gerald would just never talk to us again. That is correct. Only certain people <laughs> are able to, to handle Corey. Gerald is not one of those people. Yeah. Good times. All right, Dan, tell them stuff. Uh, so real quick, uh, you can check me out on Two Peas on a Podcast. Uh, I talked about the best of 2019 uh, in film. Uh, Caleb talked about uh, their favorite uh, 80s one-liners. Uh, and also I was on Rabbit Ears to talk about Death Note. Uh, all those links will be in the show notes, so please visit the, the show notes and check out those awesome podcasts. Uh, I fucking loved your Death Note episode. Mainly because we sang James Blunt, right? Right? That was a part of the episode. <laughs> uh, and then, um, yeah, so you can find us at NetflixandSwill.com. It has links to our social media. Uh, and I mean, if you're on the social media and you type in Netflix and Swill, all one word, you will find us. So do that. Um, NetflixandSwill.com. That's the the link where we host everything. So like a uh, rabbit ears is hosted there. So if you want to get more of the rabbit ears backlog, that's where you can do it at rabbit at, at Netflix and slash rabbit ears. So uh one stop shop, everything, including our Patreon link, where if you feel like contributing money to us, uh, we can do things for you, such as uh review movies on Netflix or uh, exist and you get free content or quote unquote free content uh, such as uh Revenge of the Forgotten Dick Picks and uh, Ashley watches Star Wars. Still need to listen to your Star Wars thing. I do. That. I decided to listen through the entire back catalog of Rabbit Ears since you put that up on that feed again. So sure did. It's nowhere else. That's that's the thing. So it it just went onto our website. I was like, fuck it. Who cares? All right. Well, hey. Until next week. Uh this is Caleb saying, there's always more show until there isn't. Netflix and Swill is an independent podcast. As such, we believe in the scrappy underdogs of the podcast world. If you're an indie podcast and would like us to run your promo on our show, please contact us. The little guys need to stick together. If you enjoy what we're doing, please consider leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts and telling a friend. The more we grow, the better the show will be. Thank you for being part of the Netflix and Swill family.